Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 21st, 2015. This is episode 140. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Scott Magnus. Now, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing it at our website, which, of course, is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network. And uh, if you're over there, go ahead and check out Baltimore Sports Today, which is the daily podcast from the BSRN. It's also possible that you found us on a third-party platform, such as Stitcher or iTunes, maybe Miro, DoubleTwist, any of these. If so, do us a favor, go ahead and give us a rating and a review that really does help us find new audience and lets people know exactly what you feel about this podcast. Lastly, we want to make sure that you're following us on social media so you can tell us just how broken we are. You can find us on Facebook where we're at facebook.com slash BEVcast, but we're most active on Twitter where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. Let's get to the important matters, shall we? This is a season which is stretching into two sports worth of seasons where we may find ourselves thirsty. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Jake, to celebrate fall, I am drinking a dogfish pumpkin ale. Yes, pumpkin in the beer. Now, I know you're judging. No, no, I I can't judge because this is the guy that drank grapefruit-infused beer during the summer. So I, I have no leg to stand on. I just don't enjoy pumpkin beers. I've tried. I've tried desperately to like pumpkin beers. I just can't do and it. And you've had this one, right? I have. Okay, yeah. I have. Okay. So, I am... Um, You're drinking a fine cocktail over there, I see. I'm going to do it, Scott. I've been pushed into it. I need a moment. You've been goaded. I need a moment of your time. Uh, you and I post on uh, Untapped. You, of course, are at MAGN8606. Correct. I am, of course, I'm at Jake E four zero two five. Both of them come out to the uh, to the bird's eye view uh, Twitter. Um, Unfortunately, I I posted this week that I was drinking a Bud Light, and I and Excuse I me? and I framed it with Meh, it happens. That was what I wrote in the app. Meh, it happens. I was drinking a crappy beer, and people went to the Twitters to judge me. Yeah, they should have. In 140 characters or less, they judged me. Don't make me defend my crappy beer choices. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not always going to drink expensive, fine, great-tasting craft beer. Sometimes the event calls for crappy beer. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Eventually, it's going to happen again. This weekend happened to be my daughter's eighth birthday. She can't handle the heavy stuff now. So I had to buy beer for a party. I happened to buy cheap American beer en masse for the people coming. And now I have a couple left over. So yes, Twitter, judge me. I am drinking the leftovers of my cheap American beer. Meh, sometimes it happens. Jake. Yes. I have the perfect thing for this. I'm going to offer you an allegory. <laughs> Are you willing to go along with me on this one? I'm terrified, but pray continue. All right. So there was a man, and I know him fairly well. He was in the same situation as you. All these other people around him are drinking, you know, pricey, uh, situ- pricey beverages. You know, these new fancy beverages are coming out. And this guy basically says to himself, you know, everybody else is buying these really fancy things. I really don't need that. What I really need <laughs> is a low priced beverage because what I really have is, you know, I don't really need to have a really nice beverage because. You know, I have such a good base foundation that I don't need to, you know, supplement myself with it. Are you telling me that Bud Light is the market inefficiency? 
Uh, I'm just saying that Bud Light is the dumb and young of beers. <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would be the Nate McLeod. Now, so d- congratulations. You have taken the Dan Duquette role, and you basically have said, hey, I'm going to pick up the dumb and young and basically use it to drink it up. It's not true, and I'm going to blow this out of the water. Because it's not Manischewitz wine? Nope. Okay. Because it is not Molson Canadian. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Check us, <laughs> check us out on uh, Untapped. That was a long Ooh. way to go for that. Dave Stevenson, I blame you. Leave me alone. Uh, and with that, Scott, I think aptly for episode 140, we should go to 140 characters or less of nonsense. It's actually 140 or fewer, but I'm going to let yeah. that go. What do we have this week on the Twitters? Uh, first tweet comes out in regards to the great sports day, which was yesterday on Sunday. Woo! In Baltimore, um, this comes from the Sunglass Guy. You can follow our good friend uh, at O Sunglass Guy. Tweet goes as follows: The good news is that everyone will be too busy complaining about the Ravens; they will forget about complaining about the O's. Well, it, it, there was definitely some complaining after that game, but yes, you're right. The Raven complaining and Twitter explosion afterwards far surpassed anything about the Orioles losing the way they did on Sunday. You know, I, it's been a while since I've listened to sports radio on the regular, but I, I remember doing that, that any week after a Ravens loss, it was just useless to tune in. Like, it was just a wasteland of complaining. It's a lot like that, I guess, after an Orioles win, too, but uh, not a good sports weekend, I'll give you that. There was some good news, though, this week in the sports world. Good, I need some good news. So, for those that are in the know, Ruben O'Mara, the GM of the Phillies, was finally ousted, basically, by Andy McPhail. He's done a wonderful job. Why would that happen? Oh. And the Twitter world rejoiced by Ruben O'Mara being, you know, basically told, you're no longer one in here. This tweet comes from Zachary Levine, um, and he posts at Zachary Levine. He writes for Baseball Prospectus, and he writes, in honor of Ruben O'Mara's exit, at Baseball Pro reprinted my account of his talk with rabbis before signing Delman Young. A must-read article. I highly recommend anyone go over to Baseball Prospectus and search Rabbis and Delman Young. You'll get some great results. Uh, next one. Great work, Baltimore. Um, this comes from the Leon Day Foundation. You can follow that great foundation at Leon Day Park, who is an inner-city organization that really helps to get inner-city kids involved within baseball. Awesome to hear that we'll be getting Baseball equipment donated to us by the Be More chapter of at Saber. Of course, that's the Saber community. Um, and also, it was also uh, Oros Advocates also to give the, the, the equipment as well. That's a joint collaboration between the Saber organization and the Baltimore chapter and also the Oros Advocates. So kudos to uh, the fans for coming out, donating gear, um, and, and very well done. Yeah, it's great. Phenomenal. Next, we have a tweet from Dan Connolly, who, of course, tweets at Don Ca- uh, Dan Connolly's son. It says, Chris Davis Homer, way back to left center. That's number 43, leading the majors in homers again. Well, it, it's getting to the point where it hurts a little every time he hits a home run. And let me tell you why. Uh, the, the last Sunday I was there, it was the Royals game, the Sunday night game. Yeah. Um, I was actually sitting with, with, uh, Listener Chris Maurer, good friend of the program, excellent guy. Um, and uh, Chris Davis hit a home run, and I thought to myself, is this the last Chris Davis home run I'm going to see in person? No, no, no. Is this the last Oriole Chris Davis home run I'm going to see in person? Didn't we talk about this last week? It's starting to get depressing, but it's still happening. Yeah, okay. It's still happening. But it, at least he's still hitting home yeah. runs. Great news, though. The Bowie Bay Sox won their first Eastern League championship. This was all over Twitter. Um, the Bowie Bay Sox even posted a picture of them with their Eastern League championship, I guess, pennant, even though it looks like something that would have been pulled off a high school wall. Um, and the hashtag for this whole thing was bring home the Bay Con. That's terrible. It's terrible, but I love it. No, no. That's terrible. That that clearly came from the same folks who come up with the hashtag Sting the Rays. I'm sorry. Whenever you can get a Bay Cun reference in there, I'm all for it. So good a job. Um, you know, for those that are out there that think, you know, Bowie winning the Eastern League Championship is a uh, a big thing and it harpens back to the Orioles being able to uh, improve in a few seasons. 
there is a correlation between minor league success and uh, major league talent. But if you look at the minor league ages of the Bowie Bay Sox, that's a lot of quadruple A players on that team. So don't be too excited. The number of players born in the same decade as me is not a good sign. Although there are some legit players in Bowie, correct? There are some legit player players, but some of the careers, it's a too little, too late for them. And with that, Jake, I think it's time we go ahead and cover the rest of what's going on with the Orioles uh, and their swoon slash resurgence over the past week. While laying in the bed last night, I had a dream that touched me deep inside. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I want to tell the whole world about it. I dreamed that she was gone. And I'm sad about it. So the Orioles have gone nine of their last 12 in a stretch, which has included two series against good teams and two series against bad teams. Um, They won three series in a row, and they split the series against the Tampa Bay Rays, even though in reality they probably should have won that series. Um, But in all honesty, things would be a lot more exciting right now if the team hadn't given away the entire season in August with two six-game losing streaks separated by a single win. Going 1-13 in in that stretch was a death knell for the season and all the fans at that time kind of knew it yeah it was it was inescapable and that was really what was the gut punch like not only was was it that the orioles were losing but you knew that they were giving away every opportunity they had to compete and after the first six game losing streak you knew it was going to be hard right but then the second one there was just no denying it yeah it was the eventual flourish of you know knowing that the season was over and it was time to move on But that being said, the Orioles have played decent baseball, and you have to tip the cap to them to a certain regard, and you have to wonder what could have been. And, you know, I know Sunday ended in a tragic fashion, and it put the Orioles five and a half games out on the wild card. But for the last week, you could kind of see the Orioles inching up, inching up, and the stars were starting to align to a certain regard. And now I think it's pretty much shut at this point. Um, And it was already shut, I think, last week to a certain regard. But that bit of hope, that little bit of glimmer allowed you to see, you know, put past the aspect of what the numbers were telling you and what in your heart you really wanted to make happen. Well, it's it's crazy right now. And and I think you're exactly right. It's it's the nature of fandom and perhaps human nature itself to wonder what could have been. I mean, what would this season look right now? Uh, what would it look like right now if um, if just one of those six game losing streaks had had been a stretch where they went three and three, right? It would still be a pretty awful stretch of games, but at the same time, that would put the Orioles now two and a half came back. In other words, it would uh, have them draw even with the Twins and the Angels at two and a half games back, playing in that next next team out of the second wild card with thirteen games to play. That would be a really different season that we would be watching. Yeah, I mean, my biggest issue with this whole um, discussion is we can go in what if, what if, what if. We can go back to what if of the 2012 season of what would have happened in 2012 during ALDS game number five if that ball that was called foul with Nate McLeod's home run actually was called fair. And you could make all kinds of like what ifs here, what if there. But it's just typical sequencing, which is baseball, and you just have to live and die with it. If the Orioles were really serious in this September, they wouldn't be sending pitchers out there like Mike Wright and Tyler Wilson. I know they don't have anybody else to really go to, but the constant redundancy of saying, we're going to keep going to them, we're going to keep going to them. The Orioles are working out the kinks right now, and they knew coming off that August that it, it was done. We could easily come back and point to not just, you know, certain series, but the fact that the Orioles never really established that Orioles magic this year. It was severely lacking with very little late inning heroics. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it here. The number of games that they've come back and won after being behind in the seventh and eighth inning is, I mean, in the single digits. Right. You can count it on one hand. 
All right. So, I mean, it's all over but the shouting, right? We're, we haven't been mathematically eliminated from either the AL East race or from the wild card, but neither of those things are happening. Right. So what do we make of the season? I think my first question, and again, this is not what ifs, this is not, uh, not anything of that nature, but if we're the same record as we are now, but the losses took place in a different I don't want to use the word sequence in a different order, right? If the so Orioles, sequence. if the Orioles hadn't pissed away, you know, twelve games in the in the uh, uh, stretch of thirteen, would we feel any different about the season? If say the Orioles had had a worse July and had climbed back to four and a half or five and a half games back, would we feel any different about a team that was clawing its way back uh, with? I don't know, more time and space between us and the downfall, or does it not really matter? Personally, for me, it doesn't really matter. I'm looking at that number of games back. I'm not looking at uh, this aspect of series wins and, you know, streaks and like that. That happens all the time. It's the same thing where people will come back and be like, well, J.J. Hardy's having a six-game hitting streak. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but then you look at the rest of his numbers, and you're just like, it doesn't matter because the total doesn't justify what a hitting streak is. It's like, well, he's had one hit every past six games. Yeah, but he's had like five at-bats for every one of these games too. So the average doesn't work out either. Plus, too little, too late. Yeah, exactly. So... I understand why people would come back and want to point to that. And I know we pointed back to that Arizona series Mm -hmm. with the three walk-offs in 2013. But there were other issues in these seasons. And you can go to a multitude of games and point to it. The three games that we lost um, in New York um, was a big thing of saying, oh, we're probably not going to get the division now. Well, those three games also are a harbinger in terms of a wild card spot as well. So there's a multitude of games we can point to. Folks, you can't just look back at August and say, oh, that was the death knell. The entire season was the death knell. Although it certainly was no fun. Yeah. All right. So the playoffs are not happening. It's not really uh, not really much else going on. What do we make of this season? Was it a totally lost season? Or can we pick out any good bits that will serve to maybe help the Orioles toward building a winner in the future? Well, I mean, we did see a career resurgence from Manny Machado, which we've harped on for with this right. podcast. Jonathan Scope is having another... Uh, he's actually having a really great season. Last year, he really didn't have a great season. So there is a foundation there, and we've talked about that in an entire podcast with the yep. foundation. But you have to kind of look at the minor league development and say nothing happened. And you also have a situation this week where Hunty Harvey had elbow issues again in instructional league and was shut down. you got to think Tommy Johns is right around the corner. And if that's the case, he's out for all of 2016 as well. Yeah, and that's that's on the heels of uh, you know Dylan Bundy having his own arm issues. We've gotten to the point where we're starting to wonder if he's going to be a major league pitcher. Um, and uh, DJ Stewart just twisted his ankle at uh, right. instructional league as well. So it's it's all coming up Millhouse for the the Orioles. Um, Look, I'm not willing to say it's a lost season. And you know, people have pointed out. Um, I think actually Matt Taylor pointed this out of if the Orioles could actually get a winning season this year, it'd be the first time that they put together four consecutive winning seasons since 82, 83, 84, and 85. And I think that would be, you know, a positive way to look at it. I know when we were looking at 2013, we kept on saying, just got to have a winning season. 2012 mm-hmm. can be a fluke. Just give me a winning season. Just give me a winning season. And I'm still on that party wagon of, I want to get a winning season. Even if it's 82 wins, I don't care. I just want to have that winning season. I don't care where we finish. I just want 82 wins. I'm down with that. I also think that the failures in a certain respect can build towards the future in the fact that if certain players flame out entirely, it is completely indefensible to not replace them in the offseason. Let's look for a second about the lack of depth at starting uh, pitching sure. in the in the rotation right now. You can't look at Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright and say those guys might be major league starters in the future. They have played to the point where I can't look at either one of them and say Yes, we should we should expect one of those guys to work out. I, I'd say I definitely would agree with that with, with with Mike Wright at this point. Tyler Wilson, he's on the cusp of me saying that, but I'm not willing to basically write him off at this point. But Mike Wright has basically proven why he was a you know eighth or ninth prospect within the organization that is already one of the bottom organizations in terms of our farm system. He's at best a top two hundred prospect. And he's probably more like a top 300 or 400 prospect in Major League Baseball, which means 
he's not very good, folks. And we talked about that earlier this season. He's not very good. Um, but I mean, besides, you know, you're absolutely right. There really hasn't been any starting pitching development besides Kevin Gossman finally getting up during the second half of the season. And he's put together a decent second half. Um, but it certainly hasn't been a great second half. I was actually looking at the numbers uh, tonight, and he is the uh, top starting pitcher right behind William Chen for uh, War, which is interesting. Um, but, you know, Chris Tillman is just slightly behind him as well. So, you know, you look at it and it's like, okay, well, if he could be a, a Chen-type player, I guess that's okay. But it's still you're getting a number two, number three starter, which doesn't solve your top of the rotation issue. All right, let me ask you this. What does the failure of J.J. Hardy to have a bounce-back season tell us about what the Orioles need to do moving forward? Are they simply going to hand him back the keys to shortstop and say, hey, I hope you figure it out? I Yeah, they do. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. They just say, good luck. You'll, we you know put this money into you, and we can't get rid of you, and we've talked about that before. I, I guess you know when I'm watching these games, you've got to pick a certain thing out to watch right now. Starting pitching has been one thing that I've been watching in terms of pitch selection. But the other thing that I've been watching is, you know, certain players like Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce, ever since coming back from that disabled list, has been a great addition to the Baltimore Orioles. And sure, people can come back and be like, well, it's a small sample size. But the fact that people want to keep on talking about Gerardo Parra and then comparing it to Steve Pierce is ridiculous. Steve Pierce is having a much better time at this point than Gerardo Parra has had during this whole stretch. So, mm-hmm. If I'm going out and signing a free agent, Steve Pierce is going to be a person that I'm going to put at a much higher priority level than Harara Parra. So I don't know. Like I said, when you're watching bad baseball on a bad baseball team, you have to pick out certain things that you want to watch. And I'm looking at fringe players like Steve Pierce, and I'm looking at pitch selection. And the Orioles pitch selection, especially when they're using their fastball at certain counts, has been pretty horrible. So hopefully that's something that gets addressed this offseason and into spring training next year. You know, the other thing is that uh, some some players are really giving us a fond goodbye. Uh, Chris Davis, among them, is really having a fine end of the season. I mean, he's he's making himself a lot of money, but he's a lot of fun to watch again. Uh, not only is he hitting the ball over the fence with a ridiculous rate, he's also beating the shift. He's taking walks. He's playing great first base. Chris Davis is rocking an amazing beard. He's doing all the things that we have loved in the good times. And, uh, you know, in a in a situation in which you're not competing, it's kind of nice to watch. Yeah, it, it's it's nice to watch, but I'm also where you are right now where it's bittersweet and I can kind of already see another uniform on him. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, Wei Yin Chen not having a terrible end of the season either. Uh, he had a, another strong, uh, what, seven-inning performance. It'll it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But again, we're kind of back at that point where when the team is not doing so hot, you kind of look at the individual efforts. Yeah, you have a lot of Orioles that are doing good things. Manny Machado and and uh, Adam Jones are very possibly in the realm of hitting thirty home runs this season. Um, you know, you've got a lot of individual things to watch for. Uh, it's familiar territory and kind of sad at that point. Yeah, but at the same time. I, I can still manage to flip over every night and watch the birds play, and it's it's kind of nice. And for me, I'm actually the complete opposite. For the past three seasons, I've watched every single night, basically, and I've actually stepped away from watching every single baseball game. I'll flip it on, but I won't watch every single night. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of Orioles fans are out there just like me, where they'll watch it on occasion right now. But they won't. It won't be an active portion of their life. I know we've seen it on Twitter. Twitter has died down a lot. Um, listeners to the show have died down, pulling back the curtain. Um, and I think that's to be expected. And this offseason is going to be a critical one, not just for um, you know who they go out and resign, but getting back some of that interest and activity um, in the organization from a fan perspective because I think they've lost a little bit at this time. And maybe that's on us as fans, you know, Maybe we're acting a little bandwagon. Maybe we're a little conceited. Maybe we're a little spoiled. But it is tough after you've tasted something so sweet to go back to something not so nice anymore. You know, it's it's interesting the point you raise. And uh, I'm curious to hear your response to this because 
I, I agree. I think that if the Orioles uh, don't win, you know, don't have a winning season at the end of the season, it's going to be tough sledding for them to start a next season. Uh, if they have a losing season next season, you're going to have a real problem with attendance and with with ratings the following season. It's people are going to be awfully suspicious. Uh, I'm curious to, to hear what you think off the field, outside of wins and losses, that you feel that the organization is doing as far as. Uh, reaching out to the fans, et cetera, et cetera. Because like one of the small tangible ways that I've been impressed by the Orioles, the fact that I expected their promotion schedule to suck after they started winning. They sold a boatload of, of uh, season tickets at the heels of the playoffs in 2012 and then 14 on a regular weeknight. They're still drawing a crowd, but, in, and yet I feel like the giveaways have been pretty good. I mean, the quality of the giveaways have been much better than they were even during the lean years when they needed to draw uh, crowds to the stadium. Scott, is it my imagination, or are the Orioles getting a lot of things right as an organization dealing with the fans outside of the wins and losses, you know, outside of the only thing that matters? Uh, I think, I mean, personally, I, I, I think they're just kind of towing the line right now and just letting the boat rock about i i don't think they're doing anything outside the ordinary i don't think they're doing anything that that's great and then they're doing the 50 percent off uh situation with uh donations to uh cancer relief um but i mean there really needs to be a, a higher emphasis on this team to you know bring in the fan base and maintain it and to a certain regard there's a responsibility on the fan base too to come back to the stadium jake i've looked at more times than not you know, attendance numbers in Kansas City this year with the Royals, and their numbers are out of this world. Where the Orioles now coming off of an ALDS championship last year are pretty much going to stay completely level in terms of attendance. And folks, I know we can quickly point back to the riots in Baltimore and, you know, some issues with, you know, the team. But the fact of the matter is, it's completely unacceptable that attendance has stayed stagnant after such a great season last year. Yeah, and it was that way before they started the tank in August. Correct. Yep. We've we've completely switched positions, Scott. I'm usually the one that rails against not showing up at the ballpark. What's going on here? What's the deal? Um, I, I I think to a certain regard it has to be you know people concerned about coming out of the stadium earlier in the season. But the big thing that I think we'll come back to is people are just it's not worth their money. And there's no excitement. And without that excitement, there's no reason to go to Camden Yards. There needs to get that excitement again. And there needs to be some kind of sensation to get people out to the ballpark again. You're saying that the product doesn't sell itself. That is exactly what I'm saying. Is the product does not sell itself, there has to be some highlight that gets people to say, hey, I want to go and spend my hard-earned money there. Maybe, maybe it would be good... If like fans, hmm. regular fans yeah. like like you and I and and people that use Twitter and and people that are into the internet were like working actively to promote the team in addition to what the team was doing themselves. Oh, you must be talking about MLB Advanced Media now. All of a sudden, cracking down on gifts on the internet, specifically on Twitter, and starting to attack people. Very similar to last year with MLB Advanced Media taking down this podcast on iTunes. Let's just see what the world would be like if MLB Advanced Media decided to continue to stifle their promotions. Scott. Hey, uh, did you see that game last night? Yeah, man, I was there. Did you catch that part when they... Uh, excuse me, gentlemen. Oh, uh, well, hello, Mr. Bowman. Were you, uh, gents discussing last night's Major League Baseball game between the Baltimore Orioles and Washington Nationals broadcast by the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network? Why, yes, yes, we were. Wait, what's that? This is a device that will ensure that no unauthorized accounts or descriptions of the game will be disseminated at this water cooler. But I watched the game. He was there. 
Surely we're allowed to. Did you receive express written consent from the office of the commissioner of Major League Baseball? No. No, we did not receive express written consent to talk about the things that if we... If you did not receive... Yes, express written consent from the office of the commissioner of Major League Baseball, then the accounts and description of that game cannot be disseminated. We got it. Look, forget this. Scott, in the fifth inning, you'll never believe what I saw. There I was. Really? Well, I was expecting Buck to... And... But... All right, fine. I got to go back to work. Enjoy tonight's game, gentlemen. All right, so Scott, it's clear that we think this is a ridiculous policy. However, I feel obligated to at least provide the other side. I understand a little bit what Major League Baseball Advanced Media is going through here. Hear me out. All right. Baseball can't control the message. Yes, again, they have that device that basically can bleed people out. <laughs> All right. With, with, with the, uh, they can also shut you down on iTunes if they, they want to control the message. I, I've actually seen that at hand. No, yes. with the gifts, they can't. The spastics never came back after that. <laughs> they can't control the message, and so they're cutting it down. And, and I, I say that they can't control the message with context. So you've got Manny Machado's dismissive wanking, which, frankly, is in your wheelhouse. Right in my wheelhouse, that, yeah. That is, that is your, your go-to response to anybody. That's maybe not the image that they want plastered with one of the golden children of, of baseball. Or Buck Showalter swearing after the national anthem gets mauled by somebody is not necessarily something that they, they want to encourage. However... Let's do the other side of it. Mm. People on Twitter and Facebook, social media, the Viners, as you call them, (laughs) they are turning baseball into emojis. They are immersing Major League Baseball into the vernacular where they are. And by the way, the folks doing this are the exact audience that baseball is decrying that they can't get in the first place. Why is the sport dying with young people? Is it because they refuse to reach them where they are? It's as simple as, you know, if it's not going to hurt your product, then how can it be hurting your product? Why wouldn't you want to be able to say, I can watch this, you know, image of a West Coast game that was played last night and be like, wow, that was an absolute bomb that Mike Trout hit. You know what? The next time that game comes on MLB Network, I want to watch Mike Trout bat and just see what happens. Or go out and buy MLB.TV. Promote your product just like you were supposed to be doing with you know everything that was up at New York with Times Square. But it just seems like it's a very f- silly thing to be you know targeting people that are making well pretty much no profit on at this time. If you're making a business of it, sure. But these people aren't making a business. They're just going about their livelihoods. If an image of a Major League Baseball player smiling and approval replaces the thumbs up emoji in people's communication, baseball has won. Yep. Why in the name of God would they try to quelch this? I just don't understand. And this has nothing to do with the fact that Major League Baseball Advanced Media tried to take this show off of iTunes because they wanted very much to put their 10-minute podcast of three people on a telephone on in its place. That has nothing to do with this. A little bit, though. I love baseball. I love baseball, and I want it to be a healthy sport and a huge business. I want it to reach millions and millions of fans worldwide, children to old folks like us. Baseball's going about it the wrong way. And yeah. that's what I'm really upset about. Right. Um, totally agree with you. Completely understand the point you're trying to make, which is protect your business, protect the icon. But you're getting very dangerous to the same game that the NFL has been playing for the past few years, and it came back and burnt them. You know, folks, at MLB Advanced Media, it's time to take a little bit of chill. I have a feeling that what occurred today with the animated gifts is going to be a similar situation, which happened though with the podcast, where MLB Advanced Media comes back and says, well, our bad. 
didn't mean to do that in all instances. Or, or, well, no, that wasn't us. That was, that was iTunes. That was Twitter. That was, that Twitter. was, that was Vine yeah. doing all this. They're the bad guys, not us. Right. So there really are no winners and losers here. The only winners are all baseball all the time for as much of the population as possible. And in this case, I think the loser is baseball. Yeah. But there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser in baseball. And with that, let's go find out who won Fantasy Boss. All right, Jake, you took the week and you take the trophy this year for Fantasy Boss. We ended in a terrible fashion with walk percentage with both of our players, Jonathan Scope and Adam Jones, both putting up goose eggs. The tiebreaker was Woba. Uh, Jonathan Scope had a 220 Woba, absolutely horrible. Adam Jones had a Woba of 165, again, absolutely horrible. It was ugly. So, Jake, the trophy is yours. Here's to next year on getting better, except for one thing. I won last year. You won this year. I'm going to have to say it. I'm going for double or nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I feel like this is where I get trapped. Double I, or nothing. I, I, is there any way I can step back and, nope. and fade like Homer in the hedges at this point? Nope. It's double or nothing. No. I I absolutely no. Just like the guy on the side would be saying it during Beer Fest. Take the bet, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing, because you, you just want to take your victory and just go off with it in the corner. I do, because you get me when I'm at my most vulnerable. And I'm, I'm gonna, baiting you here. I'm going to point back to you <laughs> baiting me emotionally. Here I am. I've, I've just listened to the dulcet tones of Brian Setzer and Gwen Stefani and and feeling good about myself. You're doing double or nothing. Now, is this double or nothing on the season? Is it double or nothing on fantasy? But what it's, are we doing? It's here? double or nothing on the season. I don't love this. Wait a minute. What's the score at this point? It, it, right now it is 12 to 9. So I've given you the title for the season, but I'm putting my own title from last season on there where you could have two titles back to back or you could have nothing this season. I don't love this. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like this at all. Um uh. Uh, so can we, I can I hear what the category is before deciding? So here's the situation with double or nothing for those that are not familiar with it. When you come into hopeless odds where there's no chance of you winning, you can declare double or nothing, and you can try to escape with some of your dignity intact. However, the odds that have to be met at that point are much more severe. So, for example, if you were playing a game of quarters— Instead of knocking it back from three or four feet, you might have to knock it back from 10 or 15 feet. So it's shooting the moon to a, to a certain regard. All right. So what's your double or nothing category? So my double or nothing category is you get to pick a player, and I have to predict that he's going to have more home runs than that, that player. So, for example, the obvious choice for you to be you have to pick a player that's going to have more home runs than Chris Davis. And we're going to play it up to the rest of the season. Mm. So double or nothing for the rest of the season is which player on the Orioles on the Orioles has more home runs than Chris Davis from this point forward. That would be a condition for a normal fantasy boss for a double or nothing. I would have to name two players that have more than home runs than than Chris Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And can we, is there overlap? Uh, what do you mean overlap? So, like, if I pick JJ Hardy, can you pick JJ Hardy and another person? Uh, well, if you pick JJ, you're picking the player that if you're basically, I'm assuming you're picking Chris Davis because he's the most obvious home run threat. Wait, wait, I thought we were picking who's going to get more than Chris Davis. 
I was going to let you just pick a player, and I have to name two people that have above that many. Home oh, runs. see, I don't think that's obvious at all okay. because I think that Chris Davis is in the middle of this like hot, uh, hot this stretch. Hot stretch. Okay, oh, this is actually a lot more difficult than I think you're giving it credit. For. Yeah, because I, I think at this point your your top four home run hitters are basically Davis, Scope, Jones, and Machado. Right? Yeah. So I pick one of those guys. You have to pick two of those guys who get more home runs. Yeah. Ah, so, like, for instance, if I picked Adam Jones. Yep. And I picked, like, Manny Machado and Chris Davis, but Manny Machado didn't have as many home runs as Adam Jones. I lose. And then you got oh. two fantasy ball seasons in a row. This is brutal. And, and, if the, <laughs> and if you do pick it out of the hat, I get nothing. Good day, sir. You get nothing. Good day, sir. This all right, fine. We'll do double enough. <laughs> so, Jake, who are you picking that is going to be your anchor that I have to succeed and go past? <laughs> Why am I doing this? This is such a bad <laughs> idea. Um, who is gonna hit the monk? Crap. Um, uh, all right, my my choices are down between Davis and Machado. Okay, I think that those are going to be the two most prolific home run hitters here on out. Um, I'm going to take chalk. I'm going to go with Davis. All right, I'm going to go with Manny Machado, and I'm going with Jonathan Scope. Those are good. Those, those are good selections. If we as Orioles fans are going to succeed, it is going to have to be on the girth, which is Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope. So. For everyone is that is looking for a reason to watch the Orioles, watch it for Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado, who is your future, and not for the past, which is Chris Davis and Jake English's pick. So basically you've baited me into it, and I'm going to lose Fantasy Boss because of that. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> and with that, I think it's time we go ahead and take a look at the uh, the good the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good the bad and the ugly and jake is still bitterly shaking his head at what just occurred here and my fist <laughs> and my fist uh but as is our tradition i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna do uh my good for the good and bad thing we, we have me go first basically just to get me out of the way because the rants of scott magnus greatly exceed the quality of my own uh for my good this week i am gonna go with caleb joseph and i'm gonna go with caleb joseph uh strictly because in 14 plate appearances this week he did it with the stick. Weighted runs created plus of 149. Uh, at every turn, I, I say I don't think Caleb Joseph is a starter in this league. I don't think he has enough to go. Um, and all he does is is hit in most cases. You know, obviously, like any other player, he's going to have his slumps. But this is just another case of Caleb Joseph feeding his baby, making me look bad. So I got to give it to him. He's good this week. My good for the week is going to go to Steve Pierce, who's been absolutely in fuego at the plate. Um, he's put up a, a great weighted runs created plus of 144. A part of that has to do to the three home runs that he's put up in the 29 plate appearances. But like I was saying earlier, Steve Pierce has really impressed me, and I really want to see Steve Pierce back on this team next year. I know that first half was really rough, but I'm looking for a, a big rebound season next year for Steve Pierce. If it could happen with Chris Davis this year, I don't see why it can't happen with Steve Pierce to a certain regard as well. Um, next up for your bad, Jake. My bad, and you know this pains me. I'm going to go with Zach Britton, Oof. and he's been so good. He's been so good all season. That Sunday hurt, but nobody's perfect. Yeah, and Sunday was as bad as it gets. He's been lights out, but yeah, I mean that was in a straight up meltdown. Yeah, and it was no good. So he gets my bad for this week because really, I mean that game should have been won, and you know again. The Orioles are are basically out of it, but with the margin of error being so thin, losses like that are just brutal. Yep. So my bad for the week is going to go to Nolan Reimold, um, who had displayed some amazing plate discipline in the past week, but this week 
53.3% K percentage, no walks whatsoever, um, had absolutely pretty much no power to speak of, and just put up a pretty ridiculous, you know, performance. He promptly got dropped out of that leadoff role once that started happening, and they basically started filling in with Gerardo Parra and Manny Machado, and Nolan Reimold, as much as it was great to see him in that leadoff role, as soon as he got out of his luck or, you know, hot streak, uh, it got very ugly. So further emphasizing the fact that Nolan Rimmel does not need to be a part of this team in 2016. What is the cult going to say? Well, they're going to say, Dara Averwes, where are you? All right, Jake, who's your ugly for the week? You know, I hate to do this, but my ugly is going to be Tyler Wilson. Mm. Tyler Wilson, in his uh, in his lone start, uh, went four and one-third innings, and it did not go, let's say, to plan. Uh, he, he, he simply was not very good, you know, an ERA of 12 plus. The thing is, is that we talked about it earlier. Tyler Wilson is not a starter in my opinion in this league and starts like what we saw this week. Again, spot start in his rookie year. Sure. Maybe he, he becomes more than what he is now, but when the team needs it the most, he doesn't have it. And uh, for me, that was ugly because more than just the player, it's the fact that there's no hope really in that second tier. Yep. Um, My ugly for the week is going to be in a similar vein. And it's going to go to Mike Wright, who, again, had another start, only three innings pitched, uh, got the loss out of it. Um, Just some terrible numbers in terms of case per 9-3, walks per 9-3, home runs per 9-6, so prevalence to give up the long ball. But Jake, even just looking at his September numbers, he's had three starts. He's only gone 12 innings pitched um, in a total for those three starts. So he's averaged about four innings pitched. His K per nine, 5.25, walk 3.00, just terrible peripheral numbers for a starter. Um, And just, you know, an extreme fly ball pitcher. That's not a player that the Orioles need to be, you know, you know, working with as a starter at this time. It's time to end the Mike Wright experiment, which I think has happened now um, by having him be pulled out of the rotation. But Mike Wright is not a starter for this team now and probably is not going to be a starter in the future. Still think he can have some success as a back-end bullpen player, but Mike Wright needs to start transitioning to that this offseason and in spring training next year. And the thought of him being a potential starter needs to be crossed off the minds of the Orioles' front office that is not an option going into 2016. But you and I have both talked, and, and endlessly basically at this point, that we think that he's a valuable bullpen arm. I think he's a valuable bullpen arm, but he's nothing more than that. So if the Orioles think that's going to be the case, uh, there's going to be a um, great disappointment when they look out in the stadium and there's not that many fans when the Orioles are below 500 again next year if he's a starter. All right. Why don't we go ahead and blow the save? Jake, take it this time. All right. Uh, I've mentioned in the past, recently I have uh, constructed a bar in my basement, built it with my own two hands. Uh, My wife has asked a series of suspicious questions, and so I think that someone in her family is planning on purchasing me some Orioles um, memorabilia Mm. to to put behind the bar to to decorate the bar. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that that she tried to ask me was, uh, basically what it broke down to, she danced around it, but... Old. Wait, wait, wait. She danced around the bar? No, no, no. Okay. Do you want older, uh, you know, bygone era Orioles or recent Orioles? And I told her bygone era uh, Orioles. And uh, one of the things I did mention was autographs don't really do it for me. Yeah. Uh, you spend a, a ton of money to get uh, ink on whatever item that you're, you're you know, getting signed. And I don't really feel any more connected with the player because I've got the autograph. Sure. Some people are all about that, and and I, that's great for them. Just doesn't do it for me. No. So I was I was saying, you know, whoever it is that's that's doing this, don't have them spend the money for something that I I just don't value. But I got to thinking, you know, I probably like an older Oriole. You know, if it's a picture of Brooks Robinson or if it's you know a panorama of Memorial Stadium or something like that, rather than a picture of Chris Davis hitting his 53rd home run because, mm-hmm. you know, that dude's not going to be an Oriole forever. But it got me a thinking, what is the quintessential piece of Orioles memorabilia to decorate a bar, a room, a man cave, whatever, a fan cave, if you will. Scotty, what is it for you? 
What, what's that piece you got to have? Um, for me, it would have to be a picture that's framed of Brian Mattis on an ice float. I also would love that. <laughs> Not only would I hang it behind the bar, but I, then I would take a picture of that and I would put it in every room. I would put it on the ceiling over top of my bed. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If I had to pick one thing, um, it would definitely be penance. Um, I do like penance. Uh, but I would also probably go with a picture. Of, I'm Catholic. I also like penance. Yeah. I also like the uh, picture of the 1966 World Series where you see them jump up in the air and they're celebrating. I think that's an iconic image in Baltimore history um, where it felt like Baltimore finally got put onto the map and it wasn't just this you know, tiny little rundown city. It was like, hey, we're competing with the likes of New York. Uh, a big moment in you know the 20th century for Baltimore uh, that's the iconic moment that I would want to have at my bar. Okay, I like that. Uh, I think that that's a good one. I would really like uh, uh, maybe a framed picture of the the flag here mm-hmm. where Frank Robinson hit the uh, the ball completely out of the stadium. Something like that would be really cool. Maybe uh, some sort of shot of Earl would be really nice. But, uh, hey, this is just the opinion of two random guys on the Internet. We really need the voice of, of real intelligent fans so do me a favor tweet us out hashtag o's memorabilia with whatever it is that you think would complete any space in your house the thing you have to have can i make one more recommendation which i've always wanted from your bar lay it on me so here's a thought that i had you would have to do some more construction which may be out of the question for you but i'm thinking you do a raised platform at one portion of the bar and you put seats for memorial (laughs) stadium right there so you can actually sit in a bleacher seat and sit right at the bar. How about instead of stools? Yes. You have uh raised seats. That'd like be pretty that. cool. Yeah. Be pretty cool. Now would it have to be legit seats from Memorial yes. Stadium or could it just be in the style of? No, it had to be legit seats from Memorial Stadium. That's an expensive uh that's an expensive venture there, Scott Magnus. Not hey. not everybody's got the uh the money flowing in you do. Well, what can I say? If you're gonna go out and spend money on a bar, you might as well might as well do it right. That was your problem with creating this bar, actually. If I wanted it done right, believe me, I would not have built it. So, uh, O's, hashtag O's memorabilia. What do you want filling your space? We definitely want to know. And I'm looking, obviously, for ideas uh, for myself. Yep. That's the music. That is the music. It's time for us to get the heck out of here. Yep. So the Orioles are playing against the Washington Nationals this week and also going against the Boston Red Sox in some meaningless absolutely wasteful games but winnable winnable and uh you know let's get to that 500 mark and uh let's see what happens and you know if anything you've got double or nothing to watch watch jake throw away a fantasy boss season why do i let you do this to me (laughs) every time and with that Baltimore and beyond i have nothing more to say i've i've said it all so i will i will bid you all a fond adieu adieu Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. I'm still shaking my head. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.